think um, perseverance is going to take you and consistency is going to take you a lot farther than trying to hop on every trend that's out there. Hi there. Welcome back. It's the Cypress Room podcast with Meggie and Christina. We're glad you're here. Welcome to the Cypress Room, you guys. What are we on now, Meggie? Episode number three. Three. This is our third one. (laughs) We're almost halfway there. Did you guys know that uh, I think it's some crazy statistic that I read the other day that most podcasts only make it to eight episodes. Yes. So once we get through this one, we'll almost be halfway there. Yes. And we're going to go beyond. We are going to go beyond. <laughs> we're not quitting at eight. We're not quitting at eight. We're not quitting at eight. Um, if this is your first time joining us, uh, we dive deep into influencing with integrity and by trade, I'm an influencer, I'm a content creator, and Maggie works in that business as well as a boutique agency and helps people get cre- paid for their content. Absolutely. And so that is part of this podcast. We love to talk about, you know, trending things, how you can get paid for your content, the whole, how this whole social media world works, how you can do paid partnerships and everything. But we think that we have something for everybody. Um, We're also moms. We're also wives. We're also friends. Yes. So we think we have something for everybody. So if you're joining us for the first time, welcome. Um, If this is your first time here, welcome as well. Yeah. We hope you'll stick around. Um, So today I was thinking maybe we'd talk about some trending topics. I like that. So we're going to just kind of bounce all over the place and just talk about what's going on, you know, for content creators and all the, all the things we have a bunch of, we have a list that we're going to kind of just bounce around. And if something like, if it sparks something that we thought of that we've talked about before, we'll bring that up too. But yeah, the cool thing about being in social media and being a content creator is that it's constantly changing. I guess it's a cool thing. It's also a frustrating thing because when you get your groove and you're like, Oh, I've got this all figured out. I know what I'm doing. Like algorithms change, what brands are looking for changes. So you kind of have to, you know, read up and know, like follow different trends and what other people are doing and just kind of, you always have to have your ears and your eyes open. Yeah. What's going on. I think though, I'm, I mean, you always want to keep your pulse on what's going on in the industry that you're a part of, but at the same time, I don't think you should get too hung up on it because there's no one formula. There's no one right way to run your platform, um, to be an influencer. Um, but I think it is important just to know and be aware of what's going on in the industry, but chasing the algorithm or trends is going to be really exhausting. I think, um, perseverance is going to take you and consistency is going to take you a lot farther than trying to hop on every trend that's out there. Right. So yeah, well, let's get into it. What do you want to talk about first? Well, <clears throat> the first thing that I wanted to talk about, which is a super hot button issue right now, is artificial intelligence. Oh, I have a love hate relationship. Yeah, but with let's okay. Intelligence. <laughs> I guess what we should probably start off with is how are we using it to help us? Okay. In our business, and then I guess maybe we could talk about what what you see as like a potential downfall of the increase in use of artificial intelligence. Well, and if you don't know what artificial intelligence is, let's just start there because Mm -hmm. I can just tell you that in January, I'm on a 
on a panel for a DIY conference. And in January, we had nothing slated for AI. And everybody was saying, like, AI is coming. AI is coming. Really like, did and I was of like, no, it's not. Y'all are crazy. Fast. No one's going to want to yeah. talk about this. And it came it blew out up. fast. And yeah. I feel like everybody's using it. And now we're going to have a full panel at the Haven DIY conference on it. And yeah, it came out of nowhere. And we were probably really <laughs> only have like just the sliver of even knowledge to understand what it's truly capable yeah. of I mean, like in the future. I don't even think I have a definition of it, but it's basically like computers helping you. Computer generated intelligence. Yeah. Like and content a- and information. Mm-hmm. Um, so the one that I'm using right now, it's pretty much... I've used a couple, but the one that I'm heavily using right now is um, that I've used the most is called Chat GPT. Yes, I'm um, using that one too. Yeah. So what, how that works is that you put a little prompt. You go to the website. You can just Google Chat GPT, and it'll take you there. Um, I think what it, it's under another name too, though. What is that? Why uh, is that escaping me? Open AI or something. Yeah, Open AI. If yeah. you just Google either one of those, it'll take you there, and you have to like be signed into Google or but Facebook. It is free. It is it, free, but is they have free. to make sure that you're a real person. Right. So I think you usually have to sign in through like a Gmail or a Facebook, something right. that's already been verified somewhere else. So they don't, so they know you're not a bot. Yeah. <laughs> Which is interesting because I think all the information that it pulls on is from bots. Uh, it, You guys, it's like way over my head, but anyways, so you go to that website and you can put a little prompt in there. And so the first thing that I ever did was I put in a prompt. I made a reel for a carbide scraper that helps you get, you know, varnish and paint off of something that you're stripping. So I had just used that for the first time and I wanted to make a video on it. And I didn't know a lot about what a carbide scraper is, what it's made of and like how you use it, how much they cost, how many, like what all the uses are for it. Cause I was the first time using it. So I had the footage of me using it, but I was like, I want this to actually help people. So I put in there, like write me a script for a 30 second reel. (laughs) This is how specific I was about a carbide scraper. And it came back with this whole, with a script for me. And it said, a carbide scraper can help you. It's a very hard surface and it can help you remove paint or varnish and had all the the thoughts to it. So I took that, put it in my own voice because I like just cannot copy something straight that somebody else gives me. So I made it sound a little bit more like me because it sounded like very commercial, like get your carbide scraper today <laughs> for $19.99. It sounded very salesy and that's not the type of video it was. So I put it a little bit in my own voice. And, and put it up and it, the reel did actually pretty good. So that was the first yeah. time that I used it. Um, and moving forward, um, I don't use it for content creation ideas, but I know people are doing that. Oh, wow. Um, but I have used it to write my descriptions to help write descriptions for YouTube, anything that and captions a lot yes, for I've Instagram reels, because captions. I don't want to because nobody even reads the caption on a reel, mm-hmm. but I want to have it there. And I want it to have good SEO if people are searching for stuff. So mostly I'm using it to write captions on Instagram. Yes, same. I'm using it to write captions and also some copywriting. I think when you when I do it for my job for several different people, it helps me just spark some ideas more. Like I'll okay. just write a couple keywords, like write me and I like a caption for this. And then I'll kind of use some of that and form my own caption. I don't think I ever use it copy word paste for word. Because- I totally wouldn't do that. You guys like it's so tempting to do that. And it's so tempting to go to it 
for every single thing. But I personally, I'm only really using it if I'm stuck or if it's something that really doesn't matter, like a YouTube description, like it needs to be full of SEO, but it doesn't need to be written well. But I still always change it a little bit. But I have a communications background. So I used to write for a living. So I think that's part partly a me thing. But as much as you can put it in your own voice, because a computer is never going to know your voice, at least they don't yet. Um, It would be interesting to put the prompt in there, write this and as pretty distressed Christina Mascari. And there's I have enough of a you know, footprint out there that maybe it would put it in my voice. It would be interesting to see if that happens. That's kind of scary. I know it's scary. <laughs> we should do that. We should do a little test. So are there any other, I know there's other tools you're using. There's too. other tools. Well, so now that we're podcasting, yeah. um, there are actually really great tools out there. If you have podcasts, like long format videos, or like a talking head video where you're mostly just talking at the camera, um, and not necessarily a tutorial like I do. They have different websites. One that we've tried is munch.com, I think. And now I'm going to forget the other one. I'll Video say. AI. Video AI. V-I-D-Y-O okay. dot AI. Um, and we'll link all that in the description box for you guys. Um, so what you do is you can take either your video that you, you can link it directly from YouTube, or if you have like the hard copy of a M, M4V file, you can upload it in there yeah. and it will actually go through there and it will chop up little like 15 second, 30 second reels or TikToks. And it will even put captions over it. It will, it goes through and it searches out what it thinks um, people would want to see. And it's specifically for key terms that are yeah. trending. It'll pull those out. Um, and so we've done that on a couple of videos and it was decent. I wouldn't say that it's like 100% there because I still had to edit some stuff and some of the stuff it pulled out. I'm like, this is super long. No one's ever going to watch it. Like, so I clipped something from later in the video and pieced them together. So I think it's close. It's helpful, but I don't think it's like quite there yet in terms of like, it's blowing my mind. Well, and I think the thought is the more that people use the AI Mm -hmm. software, um, the better it will get. That's what I, what they are saying. What they are saying. Who's they? (laughs) When I read up on it. It just makes me feel like, have y'all seen the Terminator? Yes. (laughs) I'm dating myself here. I'm, I'm over 40, but, um, technology I think is awesome. So that's why I tried to not completely ignore it. But at the same time, it feels like it's soul sucking a little bit to me. Well, do you think that. I don't think it eliminates individual creativity, but it certainly dampens it in a way, don't you think? Like, Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's positives and negatives to any new technology that comes out. My concern is that people are going to it and being like, give me 10 ideas for YouTube videos that are going to, you know, pop off that people are searching for. And then, then they're just taking whatever they put into, then they take that topic and say, write me a YouTube script on this topic. And then they're just straight reading whatever that gives them. I don't know if people are doing that. I think it's too early to see if people are doing that. Um, But I just know, like, just TikTok alone, people using the same sound over and over again, like it hurts my soul as a creative, like, I get sick of seeing the same thing over and over again. So that's my that's like my only concern with AI is like, is everything going to start being the same? The same. And it's no scrolling. It's scroll like it is scrolling the internet to get this information. That's where it's getting the information from. So at some point, somebody wrote something, 
and they're regurgitating it back to you. So in my mind, it's copyright infringement because it's pulling it from other sources. And basically, I don't, I wouldn't think that it was, cha- would it, that it would be changing the text at all, but I don't know. I don't really know how, we don't really know how it works yet. I don't yet, fully so. understand it. There's still no. so much to learn. But I don't think that you should just be like, I'm not going to use it at all um, because of how fast it's come on. I think if you don't start using it in certain ways to help your productivity, you, you are going to like slip behind. Like it's just, it helps improve instead of spending 20 minutes on an Instagram reel, I can spend five minutes on an Instagram reel caption now. Work smarter, not harder. Yeah. Right? So I'm still trying to figure it out. Well, I'm not one... a huge, super big fan of it though, if I'm being honest. So yeah. The, the one that scares me is the voice. Oh. AI. Have you seen the scary TikToks about that? Yes. But I was watching a video on Think Media and they were talking about it. And they said you could literally just insert a script and one sample of your voice. And then it will like narrate or do voiceover for you. So if we weren't doing a video of our podcast, we could literally just write a script, do AI of our voices, and they yeah. would just go. Yeah. While we're sitting there working on something else. That's wild. Okay. That's kind of cool. It's cool, but it's scary (laughs) too. too. Like it takes the humanity out of it. How do you know it's real anymore? If that's what we go to. The scary video we're talking about, if you haven't seen this TikTok, is they're spoofing people's voices. So whether they're getting like your kid's voice off of your Instagram or something that you posted your Facebook. And then these people will go in, put that clip in the AI, and then they can make it sound like your kid. So this lady got a phone call and it sounded like her daughter being like, mom, help me like these people have me and they were trying to get like money from this woman. But uh, gratefully, she figured out my daughter is home and she's upstairs. But like, what if your kid was at school and you got that phone call? Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty terrifying and disgusting. But But that's the thing. I mean, anything can be put out there with good intentions and people can then take it and use it for not good things. Right. So, so I don't know. We'll, we'll keep talking about it. Yeah, It's definitely not going away. No, it isn't going away. It's, I think the uses of it are only going to Mm -hmm. increase, um, but I'm a fan if it allows us to get more yes, done well, what, in less time. I'm also right? a fan of they are um, they. I haven't found like a good one yet, but there are programs for thumbnails for YouTube. And can I just tell you guys that my least <laughs> favorite thing? I have the video done. I have it all edited. And then you have to do the. Thumbnail. I have the music. Like I have it, and then I have to do the thumbnail. And the thumbnail is so important on YouTube, you guys, because um, they will show my videos. They'll show this video <laughs> too. <laughs> They'll push it out to our subscribers. And if they don't click on it, then YouTube is like, "Mm, this probably isn't a good video. Mm -hmm. We're not going to push it out to people that aren't Christina's subscribers. So the thumbnail and the click-through rate on the thumbnail are so important. So it is just a huge stressor for me. And I'm not really good at graphics. Like I just use Canva. I don't even use Photoshop to do mine. And I'm just like, I've done like 150 videos now, guys. And I just still have not figured out the thumbnail. Yeah. Sometimes it's just guess and check and I still, I have not nailed it. So if there is AI out there, that's going to tell me this would be the perfect thumbnail for this video. I might just believe it just to take the stress. I know. And then you don't worry about it. Yeah. So, yeah. well, okay. Moving on from artificial intelligence, let's talk about the trend now of an Instagram blue check for everyone. 
I feel like this one's going to be negative too, and I don't want to come off as a negative Nancy. So you may or may not know that Instagram recently rolled out a new program where anyone who has a profile on Instagram can go ahead and apply for that blue check mark and yeah. pay a fee of $15 a month. Is that correct? Yes. Where, in USA. In the USA. That's how much it is right now. And so before people would get blue checks, it was really ambiguous. Like how nobody really knew. No, I don't think it was ambiguous. It was just hard to get one. So and nobody really, there wasn't one way that was, they said, oh, here's what you do to get the blue check. Well, there was on the back end. You just go into your settings and it, you could apply to be verified and you would have to send in, um, like a form of identification. So it was either a driver's license or a, a passport. And then you had to link to outside sources that you were saying, this is why I should be verified. And the whole, the whole gist of why this blue check mark started is so that people couldn't get, um, it couldn't have like identity theft. So it was like right. JLo didn't want some random person who just stole her picture and was posting all these things pretending to be her. So that's mm-hmm. where it came from. Like if you, if someone might be impersonating you or like trying to get money out of people, I know tons of pastors yes, that were trying to get verified. That's where I've seen it benefit people yeah, the most. Is- because they would, they would have people spoof their account and then go into people's DMs and be asking Ask for, for money, money for like mm-hmm. orphanages. Yeah. So Anyways, what it where it really came from is so that you're not being impersonated and so someone's not saying something that you're not saying. But because most of the people that are being impersonated are like celebrities or have a really big following, it became like a status symbol, I think, to have yes, a blue check mark. Absolutely. Um, but as a regular person, I had applied several times and got denied every time. And I would link to, you know, outside articles that I'd been interviewed in. And people do try to impersonate me. I've had I actually don't run contests on my YouTube anymore because every time I do a giveaway on my YouTube, the spam is, the spam is insane and people go in there and they like steal my picture because it's very easy to steal my picture. And then they say, contact me on WhatsApp you want or contact me on Telegram. And I'm like, people, I'm never going to contact you on a third outside app. I always say that, like I put that in the description, people still do. And these people go in there and say, you won. Like, I just need you to pay shipping for this. And they went in there and they've stolen money from people like 50 or $60. And the people think they're winning like tools or paint or whatever. And it's not me. So, and I tried to use that as a case too. And they're like, no, we don't care. (laughs) You've you've been denied. (laughs) Well, so now Instagram and a genius move, in my opinion, genius. because leading up to this point, it hadn't become a status symbol and it became desirable. Mm Mm-hmm. So now anyone can pay their $15 a month, but now people are paying to be on the platform. Yeah. And, and Instagram has a new income generating is making money. channel. Which I think we all $60 know million, dollars, they said. Pro- it's probably something ridiculous if you think about that, because Instagram has a lot of people on it, but they just do not make a ton of money. And so, and they had been giving creators bonuses for creating reels. They're not super great. Um, I've had, you know, I've had up over, you know, 5 million views in a month and I got like $150 for that. But it's just wild to me that they discontinued that bonus program at the same time that they rolled out this new verified Instagram verified. And I know a handful of people that signed up to do it. And I think 
I signed up to do it. I'm just going to be honest. The, the main reason I signed up for it is because they came in with this thing saying like, well, your account is protected if you're part of this. And I don't know if anyone has ever lost their account or got their account hacked, but I know lots of people who have, and some people have never got their account back. Like if I lost my account with 400,000 people on it and all my content, I would be be devastated because there's no way to get those people back. And, um, people just get fished. They click on the wrong thing or whatever, if you don't have your two step verification set up. So they, I think the people that they couldn't get that Instagram couldn't get with the factor of like, Ooh, you have a blue check mark. They made it so desirable. So I think that's part of it. But then the second part is like, well, the only way to protect your account from being stolen is by being part of this program. So now we're all paying them just to be on the platform. So here's my question with that huge influx of, you know, influencers now who have the blue check mark, do we know if they even have the infrastructure to actually offer the support and protection for that many people? I would hope they do if they made like 60 million. And that's just one time you have to think like, that's, that's every monthly, month. Right. So it will be really interesting a year from now when they have to say like what their income was to see what it is. And if they actually break out how much how many people you know, did that. And I think the really interesting thing about it is that they launched it in Australia and New Zealand first before they launched it anywhere else. And when they rolled it out, they said, Oh, you're going to have more reach. Like that's going to be part of it. And then when they they, would promote you, like they would push your content to more people if you were part of this program. And then when they brought it over to the U S they took that portion out, but we're not really that vocal about it. They did say it but they weren't like super vocal about it. And still to this day, because I, on my Instagram, I have a, like some people that follow me that I share, like kind of all the behind the scenes stuff of like, Hey, I'm working on this partnership, Mm -hmm. whatever. They just want to know the the ins and outs. And we have a little community there. Um, And I let them know like that I had joined it and was asking for their thoughts and everything. And um, yeah, so it's just interesting. Like a bunch of people joined, but a bunch of people didn't. They're like, I'm not going to give my money to them. So I don't know. I know some big, bigger influencers i mean in the hundreds of thousands yeah like this well i don't know if i should say the names but that are standing firm and not not doing doing it it. and never and have had large followings for a long period of time and didn't get it yeah before so Mm -hmm. i and again bold move maybe bold move but i'm not mad like i'm not mad at instagram like i don't feel like they owe me anything would it stink if i lost my account one day a hundred percent but at the end of the day i don't own it it's not mine and they have to make money i know i just do not think it would be a smarter move to figure out how to generate income more along the lines of a youtube in terms of like ads and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I just then. don't think, I think that they've tried to do that before. And the problem is, is that no one, I think they might test that more, but people are not going to watch ads during short form content. And right. even if they do, then you have to split that among the 10 creators that that person just watched before they got to an ad. And that logistically seems like a nightmare to me yeah. with YouTube. Like my YouTube videos, the average watch time of my video is around seven or eight minutes. So YouTube knows, oh, I can get two ads in her video and people are watching that. And when you watch long form content, you think you're programmed to see commercials, at least someone my age is the younger yeah. generation probably isn't. 
Um, but again, like if you don't want to pay for YouTube, you're going to watch the commercials and it's just kind of, everybody knows that. Right. And you can skip over them after five seconds most of the time. So people are just conditioned over there that when they're taking in that long form content, that they're going to have to watch a commercial. Right. And I just don't think it translates to the, the swiping. <laughs> yeah. The attention span yeah. is different mm-hmm. on Instagram. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's move on to something else. Uh, our friends over at Think Media have been talking a lot about subscriber counts on YouTube and having the debate of whether a subscriber count is irrelevant now. What do you think? I mean, in terms of getting brand deals and working with brands, I think it has become a lot more irrelevant. Um, back in the day, I mean, we've been doing, you've been working with me and doing brand deals for like three years now, that was really important. And I think we set our rates based on my subscriber count. And I think more now you have to set your rates based on viewership and demographics within your viewership. Um, But again, like it, my average views on my YouTube right now are probably like 15 to 20,000 is probably what I could guarantee someone for each video. But then we have videos that spike up that get over 100. You just never know. So I think I can still use that 450,000 subscribers to be like, well, this is YouTube's going to push this to this many people, but I can't guarantee you that they're going to click on it. Um, so it, it, it at least shows that this many people liked me enough that they clicked a button, <laughs> which I think is yeah. something. It's not nothing. Because for people to take that extra step to like a video or comment or subscribe to your channel... Like to get people to take that step is huge because people don't want to do anything. Right. (laughs) So, um, but I don't think it's as important as it used to be. And in the day and age of these short form content, um, we've seen those numbers, I think are super inflated. I agree. I think um, even though many people are arguing that it's irrelevant, I still think that there's a certain level of credibility when you have a higher subscriber count on YouTube for brands, at least. Yeah. Well, and I know it's specifically true on Instagram because when we send people a DM through my account, they can have it stacked. So it's like prioritized. And what Instagram always prioritizes for me with people in my request box is their following. So if someone messages me and they have like 400,000 followers, they pop up at the top of my list for requests. If you have it slated that way, which I would assume that most brands have it slated that way, that they would, you know, unfortunately people see value in that and they want to interact with people that have a big following. Yeah. So even if... People are saying it doesn't matter. It still does a little bit. Maybe it still just does not a little bit. But way. I don't think that you. Uh, we used to set our rates based on that. I had four hundred and fifty thousand subscribers on YouTube, and that's. I think that we based it more on that than my average view views. And yeah. now I think they're smarter, which they should be. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, well, you're you average 20,000 views. So we're only going to pay you this for this, which makes yes. sense to me. Because um, they're looking at that cost per view metric. Yeah. A lot of times um, when they're making that investment to partner with a creator. Yeah. So uh, it honestly has kind of I feel like my subscriber count in terms of brand partnerships is hurting me now more than it's helping because 
Um, it hurts in the fact that I can't experiment with different content because when I put different types of content out, like if my subscribers don't click on it, YouTube won't send it to other people. Um, they usually, they really look at what my subscribers are doing and how they're interacting before they decide if they're going to send it out to more public people. Again, that's kind of speculation because nobody really knows how these algorithms work. Um, But I mean, that just opens up like a bigger conversation that like your value and your worth as a content creator can't be wrapped around how many followers you have. And it can't even be wrapped around how many views you're getting on your content. I think it also should make us smarter as business people, though, to it. Okay, so if we are getting paid on views, on average views, and you know, you have a video go viral. Yeah, there should be a clause in our contracts for that. If you're only getting paid for an average view, that is a really good point of 20,000 views, but then you have one that goes viral and gets 250,000 yeah. within a short time frame. I'm not talking yeah. like over, you know, cause you have ones that are in the millions, but that mm-hmm. came over years. Yeah. But if you have one video and you partner with somebody and you get a certain rate at that one view and yeah. it gets five times that there should be a clause in a contract that you should get paid on that. I think, well, we haven't done that yet. Should we try to experiment and do that on <laughs> I our think next we should. Maybe heard, we've cracked a code here. You guys. <laughs> I heard that idea at Haven last year, Did actually, you? um, one of the creators that was there in a pricing class I went to mm-hmm. mentioned that that's how she is structuring her contracts now, because you you really don't know when something's going to hit at that right moment and yeah. go viral. And if it is a partnership video and mm-hmm. this brand is benefiting because of that, then there should be, I think, a clause for compensation. That's interesting. I wonder so. if they would go for that. Cause I know how, like we both worked in the corporate world. So we know how budgets yeah. go and like you have the budget that you have and you can't pull from someone else's budget. And I know, but I, it, she said it had worked for her. So okay. I, I think we, it's something to try, like yeah. see about, especially if you already have an established relationship with yeah. a customer though. Cause I like, think what we've done in the past, um, because I do have some partners that let me do affiliate program and as well as compensate me for my content. Um, and that was, pretty typical of one of my first partners that I worked with. So I thought that was just normal. <laughs> it is not normal no. for them to give you both. But I think that we, when we started with new partners, I'm like, well, and I want affiliate sales. And they're like, well, we're not going to do both. And I said, well, this is what protects me if I have something go viral. Yeah. Um, like for instance, I have a viral video on YouTube that I'm still earning a ton of affiliate sales off of that product because that video has like th- almost 3 million views. Um, and I, that was a brand partnership. So I got paid up front for it, but because that video performed so well, I'm still making affiliate money on it. So that's what something that we've done in the past, but we've definitely never put a clause in there of like, if yeah. this goes viral, I want a bonus. Yeah. That feels well, because scary. The, it's just rare that they do yeah. affiliate sale, like commissions and an upfront yeah. amount anymore. So yeah. Yeah, I don't know. We'll have to do some negotiating and see. Trial and error, and then we'll get to share it with you guys. And you guys can step on our shoulders for when you're doing your next contract negotiation. Just some food for thought there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get get tripped up 
too, because I've had content perform super, super well with a partner. And then we do a long-term thing. And then I've had some like that don't do well, like maybe get 15,000 views. I'm like, Oh, are they going to work with me again? But I think it sometimes it balances out when you have a viral one and then you just have like normal performing content. And they're like, well, we're willing to do long-term stuff with you because we've seen it be really successful and viral in the past, but you can't ever guarantee it. So, right. But I think that's why we're trending more towards those long-term partnerships because you can't guarantee when, something's going to do really well. And sometimes it's not. And it does, we've seen over the course of your long-term partnerships that it really does even out in the end. We're able to provide them a summary and the return on their investment is always positive Mm -hmm. Uh, when they do long-term. It's better than doing summaries for one-offs because it really is kind of a gamble. Well, and that's like, I think a perfect segue into like another thing that we had on our hot topics list here was being a brand ambassador versus doing like these one-time campaign Mm -hmm. deals. And I think that even having a viral thing, say you do a one-time campaign with a product and it goes viral and it gets 5 million views. Um, I don't think that's worth as much as a video that gets 20,000 views, but I've been working with that product for a long time. You've seen it on multiple videos. Um, you know that I love it. You know that I have it in my home. Like you're, you're probably going to buy off of that 20,000 view video, but you probably wouldn't buy off of that 5 million out of those 5 million. How many people actually bought it? Because they don't know who I am. It's their first time seeing me. So I wonder like what, is the true value there. Do those views translate to uh, brand loyalty, yeah. to sales, to... Because at the end of the day, what does the brand want? Most of the time, it's a sale. I mean, I do think that there's some... They want awareness and they want, you know, to have good feelings about their brand. But at the end of the day... They want it to translate to It sales. has to translate to a sale or it doesn't... Nothing happens for them. They don't make any money. Yeah, I I think that's a discussion a lot of people are having is, would you rather have one viral video or 20 videos with 50,000 views or 20,000 or whatever? I think I'd rather have the consistent performance rather Mm -hmm. than... Because also what that does, if you have a brand partnership where it goes viral and it's a one-off then you're really at a loss to renew that because that's going to be their expectation every time for the next time. Right. Like, (laughs) so that's a hard thing to do again. Um, I think so. Yeah. I don't know. I can see the benefit of doing something more long-term. Well, and we touched on this in the last podcast, but it's just more fun to work with a brand that you know, and that you have a relationship with their marketing Mm -hmm. team and with their content creation team. It's just, it's more fun. It's more fulfilling. I think it's easier to have back and forth of like, cause I've had, you know, brand partners that I've worked with for a long time and they're like, we really want to, you know, showcase outdoor. Like people are really, you know, it's spring, people are doing outdoor projects, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I understand, but outdoor doesn't really perform well on my channel. I've done it several times. Um, And they just try to get like sometimes too creative or like try to make it really fit like a campaign they have going on. And I (laughs) recently have just got more brave being like, you know what? People just want to see me flip furniture. Yeah. And they're like, 
okay, well, can we, can we do like, can we pull this trend in or whatever? Like, can we pull a trending color? And I'm like, absolutely. And, um, those, I, I, I think they trust me well enough to know, like, I know what's going to perform on my channel. And so we have more, I think, give and take than just like them giving me something, please film something like this. And then it does not go well. When you have that long-term relationship, I think it's easier to have those types of conversations. Well, what I've also noticed is we, it, it tends to be easier to get the long-term deals when we're dealing directly with the brand, not going through an agency, an agency. I think those are when it's tricky because you really, when you go through, when a brand uses an agency, you don't even get a lot of feedback. Like I just think of the recent one we did this year and it was super organic and made sense on your channel and it was a one-off thing and we it just kind of went out into the abyss. (laughs) And And we don't know if they were happy or not, even though we tried to solicit but since they're working through a middleman, yeah. it's really, there's a lot that gets lost in the communication and relationship building. Well, and I think when you're working with a middleman like that, it's based off of a huge campaign and it's based off of a campaign that they had a lot of dollars behind. And they're probably looking at the overall, like how did this overall perform instead of going to individual careers? Cause they probably did like, a I'm going to guess like at least 50. Yeah. I, I have no idea though. I'm making it up. Yeah, because <laughs> it's been a long time <laughs> since I've been in corporate marketing and we didn't even, this is how lo- long ago it was that I worked on the corporate side. I made my company's Facebook page and it yeah. was for a realtor, a realtor company. And I taught other realtors how to make their own Facebook page to get more clients. <laughs> Do you know how long it's been since I've been in the corporate world? <laughs> iPhones. We're just coming out. <laughs> Did you have a Blackberry? I had a Blackberry. I never had a Blackberry. I, I didn't have to ever be chained to a device that way. I had I a laptop. I made it. Oh, I bet you did. I never had one. I mean, <laughs> kudos to you. You were definitely doing better than me because I never had that. I never had that Blackberry. <laughs> oh my gosh. We're really, we're so old. Showing our I age also here. started my company's Twitter page and that's the only time that I was ever on Twitter. I'm still not on Twitter. I don't think it, I just don't spend any time there. Yeah. I don't do it. I've still followed the trends of what's going on there. And you know, that's Twitter is actually where this whole paid verification came from. Yes. <laughs> that's not where that idea came from. So anyways, well, what's next on our list of um, trending topics? You had user generated content on here, which you yes. probably know more about than I do because I haven't really done a lot of user generated just because I don't have to. Yeah. No. Okay. So user generated content is a big trend I'm seeing this year as I'm talking to brands, as I'm uh, looking at campaigns that they're um, searching for content creators for. And what that is, is that they um, hire a creator to create a specific uh, form of content for them. Usually short form video is what I've seen so far. And um, the creator wouldn't post that on their own channels. It's essentially you're creating a commercial just for their use in their marketing and their socials. And uh, this is kind of a fun new trend because it really gives smaller up and coming creators who have great video content, who are super natural on camera, um, who are doing something new and fun and exciting to partner with brands and really 
I think it's a great place to grow. Um, but yeah, that is kind of what I'm seeing a lot of that. They just want to outsource the creation of commercials and, uh, social content. And so, yeah, that's how they're hiring, uh, creators. Do you think creators would, if they enter into a thing like that, do you think that they would just, some of them would just put it up on their socials if it made sense? Yes. Just um, to show like, oh, I worked with this great brand. Yes. Uh, something that, uh, one thing I've negotiated into contracts for people that I've worked with and user generated content is to always be tagged and to have link back, but also okay. we've gone back and asked if, for permission uh, to post on their pages. Okay, and uh, they have some brands will give you permission to do that, um, and some won't. But okay. it's sort of brand specific, I guess. So interesting. Yeah, I mean, I get it because I know how much goes into a video shoot. Because, like I said, even though it was in the dinosaur yeah. <laughs> ages, I did work on the other side, and I did a couple of shoots and just like hiring the talent and the lighting and just the talent and the camera crew were so expensive. Right. And then I had to cater for them, and I had to write the script and all the things, and I did script supervision and stuff. So there's like lots of pieces that go to it from the corporate side. And it takes up a lot of time too. So I could see why they would be like outsourcing that. Well, and it makes sense if they're hiring creators who are already using their products. So they're already, mm. so they already know how to use them. it. So they're not teaching a model. How right. to do it. They already know the ins and outs. Yeah. They've troubleshooted. They are familiar with how to use it and yeah. can also come to the table with new ideas. I think mm-hmm. they're outsourcing ideas and creativity too with that but I think it only really makes sense if you are a smaller influencer because a lot of these brands if you go on their socials like for instance for you I go to the brand and they have a way smaller following yeah so it's not as beneficial to maybe a creator with a larger subscriber count than it would be for somebody with a smaller one yeah but I could definitely see myself doing it one day if I'm not creating, if there comes to a point where I'm not creating my own content anymore. For sure. I could be like, here, I have a whole portfolio of like, here's all this stuff I've created. Would you like to hire me to do, you know, make some user generated content for you? So, right. That's cool. It is cool. I think it's a fun new trend. Have you found most of those through partnerships that you already had, like that brand relationships that you already had? Or are you finding those like on, you know, those platforms like Isaiah and Aspire? Uh, it's been a combination, actually. Okay. Um, one that I've worked on was from a platform, and okay. the other one was from a previous relationship. We'd had several successful partnerships, and um, actually, I had asked you before. And, and I said no? <laughs> you said no. <laughs> <laughs> and then it came up again. And they really loved one of the girls that I was working with and, um, it worked out. So we're actually in negotiations currently for that one. That's awesome. And that is something that I did get asked to do. It wasn't called user generated content back then, but when I was on YouTube and I wasn't full time yet, um, I had people offering for me to make videos for their YouTube, yeah. which I think I probably did a couple back then because it was money and I wasn't making any money. So I was like, yeah, sure. And then I remember like I hadn't made a video for them in a while. And I, I, I said, I can't make 
I'm trying to make my YouTube work so I can't be making content for you mm-hmm. because it's making my content fall behind. And my goal is to, is to work on my channel. Um, if you would like to put them on my channel first, then we could renegotiate it. And I think we re- renegotiated at that time. Yeah. Um, and I've had people ask me to do like tutorials and stuff that they wanted to put up on their website. And I just have never, I've just never had the time. And yeah. I was making enough money on my content to not have to do somebody else's, but that's a great way to grow yeah. um, and to hone your skills. So I love that people are still getting paid. I like that it's a bigger trend than it used to be. Yeah. And even thinking outside, I mean, I think the furniture flipping and DIY industry is maybe a little bit of a tougher industry to do that in just because your projects take so much time. But if you're in another industry where you're not doing these super involved projects, it could Mm -hmm. be a great supplemental income while you're getting things ramped up because it wouldn't take so much time if you're like doing reviews or makeup or you know yeah or just like using I mean I've done some where we've used products that are not really specific to us that's specific to DIY that's more like home care but they gave me a deal based on you know what the content they had seen me create on TikTok and Mm -hmm. stuff so you can branch out of your niche like I've done mops Yes. And I've done like photos, photo books and stuff like that. Yep. And because I can create content, I could can, can create content around anything now pretty much just because I've done it so much. Yeah. Um, so you can, and like, that would be an instance where like, well, this doesn't make sense on your content, but we want to boost it and we want to put dollars behind it. And so it makes sense. Like it, it can does. translate across. And it's another reason I genres. think creators, like as you're showing up in stories every day, be tagging the brands you're using. Mm-hmm. If you're going to Starbucks and getting a coffee, if you're going to Dunkin', tag them. Like if you're sitting there talking Yeti well, and Stanley, we you keep yes. our drinks very cold. I mean, tag the brands you're using <laughs> as yeah. you're showing up in your stories because that shows them how you can integrate their brand into your content yeah. in an organic, natural way. And then that makes it easier to branch outside of yeah. maybe the niche that you're long form videos are in. So yeah. So there's tons of opportunities, basically. There is. It's really just kind of thinking outside the box, you know, a little bit. Yeah. 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 I'm the only other thing that I have on my list, which I don't know if we I feel like do we have enough time to talk about this? We can start talking about this could be a whole nother episode. So if we don't hit everything today, we can share about this later. But Short form content versus long form content. And I'm going to let you talk first because I think everybody knows how I feel, but maybe they don't. <laughs> oh gosh. Like which one is better well, or are like we just in comparing? The battle, just in the battle of like short form content versus long form content is in business building and what's going to be the better investment for you. I mean, I think it can go either way, but you know which one I'm going to argue for. So yes. maybe you should argue for short form content. Um, I think if you want to be a full-time creator in in this day and age, you're going to have to at least consider long form content to have something that's sustainable because I think YouTube is really only the, the only video platform that's paying consistently right now for the actual content for the We're actual talking about like content. no partnerships, no, no affiliate sales. Right. I mean, the thing about is if you solely do TikTok and Instagram and short form content, you're going to have to be on the hustle train yeah. 
And you can, make, you can make a lot of money. I'm not going to lie to you. You can, you can make a ton of money. But you're not making anything passively. Yeah. And I think passive income streams are crucial for sustainability in this industry because you get burnt out doing brand deals. Mm-hmm. I mean, pretty quick. And the amount that you need to do to grow, to um, get a good size income is mm-hmm. a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. Yeah. So, and I, I have creator friends that, that they're not even full time. They're doing it on the side, which kudos to them for being able to do that. But I know months they've had months where they've made $50,000 on brand deals. And I'm like, y'all go because I've never made that much on brand deals alone in one month. But then the next two months they made $0. So, and you don't, it's just brand deals are not reliable. And as speaking of someone who has like a bit, I have a big following on the big three and we haven't made a lot of brand deals this year, you no. guys. Um, I, we haven't had, I will say we haven't had a lot, had a lot of those one-offs like we the were talking about. Yeah. Um, and I, and it's not that the times that I've done those before, they haven't performed well because most of them have performed well. It's just, I don't know. It's just not having that relationship and that consistency and like a goal of like, how do we want to grow and this and that and having that back and forth is just a one-off stats are good, whatever, move on. Yeah. Uh, we're probably going to go hit up another person it's, and hit up their audience. It's like, there's no yeah. value. They don't see any value like in my community. Um, and I think there's so much value in my community. So I guess that's why we've kind of transitioned more to those long-term brand ambassador type partnerships. Right. Um, the thing though, that I would say <laughs> for your industry and people who are only doing short form is it's painful for me to see all the work that goes in yeah. to the project because and then they're so only long. doing short form content. It yeah, just I'm seems not... like a small return on the investment of time required yeah. when you could just film the whole process and repurpose that video into long form and short form and then yes. do both. Yes. It is harder to edit a long form video. It, yes. So I understand. Um, there are ways to do it. I think that are going to make it easier for you, like doing voiceovers, just kind of filming yourself and then doing a narration after it's over. Um, but it is a lot harder to figure out how to upload the YouTube video and do the tags. Um, and if you don't show up consistently on YouTube, if you're not posting once a week for a good season, it's very hard to grow on there. So I understand cause it does take a lot of time. I've yeah. been there. Um, and it took me a long time to even start doing it full time. I did a video and then I didn't make a video for six months because I was just doing it as for fun as a hobby. Right. Um, but just then committing to, to doing it consistently. And when she talks about passive income, I have videos that I made two years ago that are still my most successful video on YouTube. YouTube is still pushing it. It still has good SEO. It's a video that has an affiliate code mm-hmm. attached to it. So I'm still making money off the affiliate link on it. Um, but if you don't put that effort in and make those videos, you can never have one that hits like that. Right. Um, and I, you know, I have, I have a video, I have a reel that I just put up last week. It has 1.6 million views. A lot of people have seen that it was a brand partnership. So I'm very excited that it's doing (laughs) that well, because that's going to help me in my negotiation next year, having a successful piece of content. But Instagram has given me zero dollars for that 1.6 million views. And if I had 1.6 million views on YouTube, I would have about like $10,000, I think, um, which it's harder to get the 1.6 million views on YouTube. But that video, that same piece of content, 
I think that video probably has, I'm guessing off the top of my head, it probably has like 20,000 views. And so I think I've earned like 200 or $250, which is a lot better than $0 that I've earned from Instagram. <laughs> for real. But again, you have the ability for a video to take off and have a hero, hero video. And my hero videos have like, I've earned $30,000 off of one piece of content that I spent one week on. Right. And you can't, you're never going to get that from Instagram. You might no. get a $10,000 deal. You might get a $30,000 deal. You might get a $100,000 deal from Instagram. But I could also get a $100,000 deal maybe and have that $30,000 yes. video. So the double dipping is huge to me. And, it, and you're creating with YouTube, you're creating community. They know that people on YouTube know who I am. Yeah. They know I'm silly. They know I'm going to mess up. They know I'm not going to give up and I'm going to push through the end. They know I'm going to make some really ugly stuff. They know I'm going to make some really cute stuff. I'm going <laughs> to blow their mind sometimes. And sometimes they're going to be like, Christina, that was really boring. It's the, it's real. It's like authentic. Yeah, I think it's a, a great place to build community. Yeah. People get more invested mm -hmm. in the community in YouTube just because they're watching you for longer yeah. periods of time. Yeah. I, I just think there's so many benefits to long form content. It is worth the investment of mm -hmm. time. Um, because, you know, even if you think of the fact that when you want to take a break, you take a break mm -hmm. and you're still making money in the background. I am. And in the past two years, I've taken off um, December and January, both years. And I came back and my channel didn't die. Yeah. And this year, because we've been wanting to do this podcast and trying to find time for it, I have slowed down a little bit. I have slowed down significantly this year. I'm just gonna be honest and probably have put out two videos, two to three videos a month versus five videos a month. And my channel's still alive. It's not yeah. as thriving as it once was, but I think things are cyclical and people have seen me paint for three years and maybe they're ready to see me do something else. <laughs> so I keep trying new things. They're ready to see you podcast. Maybe because <laughs> I will tell you guys, I had a video. Um, they're really craving authenticity. Uh, that's like the, that's right. the hugest trending thing I've seen this year because I recently put out a video that was 20 minutes long where I just talked to the camera like this <laughs> and I told the whole story of my brand and how it developed for me just painting in my garage and painting things in my home to like that I don't even sell my furniture anymore because I'm making a full time salary on content creation and what that looks like. I thought everybody knew that. Um, but they don't No, nope. they didn't know that. Um, and so now I'm sharing that and they're like, wow, this is a really encouraging story. Thanks for sharing that. And now I have the freedom of, I don't have to sell my furniture anymore. I'm donating it to a thrift store that supports low income families in my community. And that feels like really good. And I thought nobody was going to want to watch that video or hear me talk for 23 minutes, just about my story and where I am authentically <laughs> vulnerably <laughs> at right in this moment. And it's performing six times better than any video I've ever put out. It's like my fastest growing video ever. I don't think it'll get to a million, you guys, because I don't think a million people want to hear that. <laughs> but, but maybe they do. Of those 450,000 subscribers that maybe hadn't watched a video in six months when it said, I'm done selling furniture. They clicked on it. The wildest thing about that video is not how fast it took off um, or how many people have watched it, but it's, I haven't got one negative comment. I say that now I should go check again, <laughs> but <laughs> maybe there is now. <laughs> <As of> <laughs> yesterday, 
I not one negative comment and I get Amazing. negative comments on every single video every about haters going to hate dare you paint wood you <laughs> belong in jail and all these crazy things. Um and there wasn't one negative comment and everybody was just so they, I just loved hearing your story like and it encouraged people who are flipping furniture it encouraged people who were thinking about starting a YouTube channel and encouraged people who were just stay at home moms looking for a new outlet or whatever. It just encouraged people. And it was just my authentic story. I was completely vulnerable. And so I hope that trend continues because I, you know, I can be myself. That sounds easy. I know that could be a great (laughs) subject for a future podcast is what real authenticity and vulnerability looks like, because yes, I don't think it's, (laughs) <laughs> showing up and crying every day and airing complaining and airing all your problems is not vulnerability and authenticity just so you know but we'll save that for another yeah <laughs> well but i do cry a lot on my stories yeah. <laughs> but that is authentic because <laughs> i'm a crier <laughs> she is i'm not <laughs> well this one was fun it was i and feel you- like we bounced around a lot but i feel like I feel like it was fun. Yeah, you all will have to let us know if we missed anything. What trending topics do you want to talk about? Show us in the comments. Yeah, and we'll be we'll be back again. Yes, we yeah. will. Join us next time. Thanks for being here in the Cypress Room, and we will see you guys next time. See you next time.